Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing ghost kitchens and their relationships to fast food chains and how saltwater agriculture technology may be the future of sustainable farming. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Mira Nabolsi, multimedia editor and webinar moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Sarah Hand. Thank you for coming today. So I'm going to start us off today with a story about um, delivery kitchens or cloud kitchens or ghost kitchens, whichever seems the most familiar to you. But in, re- in most recent news, a huge fast food chain, Wendy's, has partnered up with Reef, an operator of parking real estate and delivery kitchens, logistic hubs and kitchens, Uh, to provide consumers with their food delivered fast and conveniently by eliminating the use of a dining room and replacing it with 700 new delivery kitchens in the US, Canada and the UK. So delivery kitchens are commercial facilities used to produce food specifically for delivery. Since they don't require um, dedicated dining space or wait staff like a traditional restaurant, delivery kitchens can help delivery-based food businesses keep overhead low And that means they are cheaper to place in areas all around the city, which then means closer to the neighborhoods and then faster and shorter delivery times. So additionally, they want to help reduce traffic congestion and pollution by bringing food and customers closer to one another. For the Wendy's Reef partnership, each delivery kitchen is expected to see sales of $500,000 to $1 million per year. Uh, Wendy's will be getting royalties of 6% of sales. And additionally, third-party delivery companies such as DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Skip the Dishes will be the ones that are delivering the food to customers. So during the pandemic... The restaurant food delivery industry grew drastically, as we all may know, uh, because restaurants shut down and people started um, to order food online every time they wanted um, food from outside their homes. Before the pandemic, food delivery accounted for 3.3% of restaurants' traffic. But in 2021, that number rose to 8.4%. So in the second quarter of 2021, Wendy said that their digital sales accounted for 7.5% of the total, which was a jump from 2.5% in 2019. So that's a really big jump. Um, In 2021, Wendy's will have around 50 delivery kitchens open and they plan to launch the rest by the remainder of 2025. So my question for you today is, how do we feel about the future of food services and where they're heading? You know, the ideas of delivery kitchens and eliminating, you know, restaurants. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I don't know why, but this weirded me out when I first read the story (laughs) because I couldn't, for some reason, make the connection between a Wendy's burger being made outside of like a Wendy's <laughs> location. Do you know what I mean? Like when I, when I uh, read your pieces and Sydney's pieces about um, these cloud kitchens before it's made more sense because it's been like, um, okay, this is a, a chef that wants to just do a delivery based um, 
you know, food service. They don't need a restaurant. They don't need people like a space for people to come pick it up. It's all delivery. And maybe they did, don't have the capital anyways to like invest in that type of, of space. Um, and often I know these cloud kitchens, you know, you can kind of like rent a certain amount of space and stuff like that. And that makes a lot of sense. Still kind of like weird to think about. I think that you're not ordering from like a, a physical restaurant. It feels sort of like abstract, but yeah, in this case, especially I was like, that seems weird, but it actually isn't weird because if they're using the same ingredients and, and whatever, like it's the same burger patty just being flipped in a different location. I mean, what's the difference? But for some reason, I feel like it's a bit of a mental hurdle. And like, I wonder <laughs> if people who were, you know, ordering their Wendy's burger, like through an app, um, I think you would assume number one, that's being made at a Wendy's location. Um, but number two, I wonder if that would like change your, your feeling or your willingness at all to order if you knew it was being made in like a cloud kitchen facility, as opposed to like a Wendy's location. I don't know. What, how do you guys feel about that? I can see. Yeah. There's like a disconnect there almost. It's like, you know, you, uh, not to have things made in the actual location. My other thing is that like with things opening up and hopefully the pandemic being over soon, I think people are wanting to dine out more. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. In the short term, I don't know, you know, people might be wanting to get away from all of these kinds of delivery apps and these kind of cloud based or like remote kitchens. I'm not sure um, exactly like what to to sort of call them. But yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, But yeah, I have a feeling that it'll go through a some bumps, especially with things opening up and after the pandemic. So I think um, it's interesting to see this because firstly, the Wendy's locations that actually exist where you can dine in, I don't think these will be shutting down anytime soon. So Mm -hmm. I think people that do want to go, you know, into Wendy's have that option. But I think the idea of a cloud kitchen is something I really appreciate because um, ordering food, I don't know, at least in my experience, is like a 50-minute delivery time or something Mm -hmm. ridiculous like that. And it takes so long. Mm -hmm. So by the time the food comes to me, it's already hot. I mean, cold. Mm -hmm. So if I had, you know, a Wendy's Cloud Kitchen close by and I knew the delivery time of that is like 10 minutes and it's going to come hot... I would rather just order there, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, 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 yeah. it kind of, I think, is a win-win. I also saw a cloud kitchen, a Wendy's cloud kitchen in Toronto oh, recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So apparently what they test tried. Like? Yeah. So it, it's just a food truck. It kind of looks ah, like a food truck. It okay. was in an alleyway um, down uh, by Kensington Market, sort of, mm. like in that area. Mm-hmm. And there was just a bunch of delivery people outside. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, these people are just ordering food from a food truck. And then I noticed it had a Wendy's logo and like a Cloud Kitchen logo. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, that's really interesting. So it it's um, so they test tried this in Canada and it succeeded. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Actually, there's a lineup for this. So people are, you know, they don't actually know it's coming from a Cloud Kitchen. They just know it's coming from Wendy's. Mm-hmm. So wait, so, you can line up in. OK, the, no, these are delivery no, people. Yeah, the delivery okay, people okay, were lining up question. to pick up. Okay, yeah, yeah they were, the delivery. Yeah, consumers. the delivery yeah. people were lining up to get the food to deliver to customers and I thought it was people right Mm -hmm. until I noticed Mm -hmm. like they were carrying you know Uber Eats bags and things like that that I noticed Mm -hmm. it was a cloud kitchen but then I thought to myself the person that ordered actually has no idea this is a cloud kitchen it Mm -hmm. just says you know your order has been picked up and it's gonna be there in 10 minutes so it was kind of you know 
nice to see what it looked like because I have a visual. Um, but I think, yeah, I think this will really, we'll see this coming across a lot of companies. I think a lot of places like McDonald's and things like that that are fast food and are supposed to be fast, Cloud Kitchens would really benefit them. The thing is, I don't know if these fast food places are being like compromised on their end with being fast or slow, it's like a lot of the delivery companies, like you're saying, like if it's still Uber and these other companies delivering meals, like sometimes they, they just like take on too many. And by the time, you know, you're, they get to your order or they come with it. It's like your fries are soggy or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, dude, where have you been? Like I was tracking you and you were, you know, you, like 20 yeah. orders along the way. So I, I, um, I'm not sure if this is going to improve that if it's the same carriers that are, you know, going to be delivering the meals, but we'll see. But no, I, the, the idea is, is pretty cool where, um, I mean, stuff like McDonald's, like you have them around every corner anyway, but like for other kinds of, um, maybe other restaurants or other places, uh, that don't have locations that as widespread. I think this is a cool idea. That's a good point. I think Aisha about the carriers. I think maybe if these, if the intention is to have these cloud kitchens set up, let's say throughout a city where they wouldn't normally have like Wendy's locations, Mm -hmm. maybe the the proximity then to like homes in those areas would just facilitate faster delivery, even if they were taking on a lot of deliveries. Like maybe you'd have like one person who often picked up from this one cloud kitchen location and um, was delivering to like a smaller geographical area. I don't know. But that's definitely been my uh, experience with ordering that kind of fast food, like burgers and fries over a delivery app. I would much rather just like go through a drive through myself. Yes, I just feel like that kind of absolutely. stuff doesn't travel well. And especially when you're waiting a crazy amount of time or, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but the service fee you're paying, you're like, oh, cool. Okay. I'm getting like one meal from McDonald's and it's like going to cost me $30 with all the, yeah. all the like stuff. It's like, that's too much to pay even for the convenience of like not having to get up yeah. off the couch or whatever, or leave my house. And I know that's been a big thing for people during the pandemic who are Um, not going out or maybe if you live in a big city and and you don't drive or don't have a car or whatever I can like see that that makes you know sense still um but uh yeah I think if it solves some of those issues of like getting the food to you more quickly and and um and like hotter and then fresher and that sort of thing I think that makes a lot of sense and I can see that this would be like a lower investment in terms of capital for Wendy's to invest in these cloud kitchens, um, as opposed to saying, listen, like sales are up at our Wendy's locations because everyone's getting fast food because no one's dining into regular restaurants. Uh, so let's just open up a bunch more Wendy's chains. Like there's a lot more that goes along with that and a lot more like staff and, um, and overhead. This seems like something where if it didn't work out, which I I think it still would, but even if in some areas, let's say it, it was a wash, they could kind of pull out and they wouldn't have like lost too much money. So it feels like, um, yeah, like an easier investment for them, I think. Yeah, so I was going to say on that point is they're actually um, franchising to the UK. Oh, and that's when, right. When, okay. Yeah, there is no Wendy's in the UK. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that they're expanding there is because they're opening a bunch of um, cloud kitchens or delivery kitchens um, across the country. So it's a lot less cost for them to franchise there now that they can do cloud kitchens yeah. compared to having actual physical stores like you were saying, Sarah. Yeah. 
So that yeah, will be weird. Interesting. To me, that will be a hurdle because <laughs> if you haven't physically seen a Wendy's and all of yeah. a sudden on your food delivery thing, you're like, what's this new burger place called Wendy's? Or maybe you don't go any further than that looks good. Like, let's order it. I think yeah. I would, I would though be like, oh, I haven't heard of this or like, oh, I thought this was only in the States. And be like, where's the <laughs> the closest Wendy's location? And realize like there isn't one. I don't know. I think I'd be yeah. I'd be weirded out by that. But I'm sure there's also a whole sort of um, advertising campaign that's going to go into speaking directly to the British like consumer to say like, hey, Wendy's is now here, and you can enjoy our great never frozen hamburger patties and like stuff like that. Yeah, um, and and a lot of like promotional things and and free things. I'm sure there'll be a lot there to to get people to try it for the first yeah. time. But yeah, and I also think it's easier for Wendy's because they're such a known fast food chain. So people in the UK must have seen Wendy's in the movies or things like that, yeah. or visited the US and That's seen true. Wendy's everywhere. So it's more easily accepted. But if it was like a random burger place, you know, you kind of want to inspect what it looks like <laughs> and kind of things like that. So I think it also works in their benefit benefit that they're so well known mm-hmm. yeah. um and then we could see how that works out for them and see if other companies will do it too mm-hmm. I, I wonder too if these cloud kitchens like how they're regulated like I guess they must be visited by you know health inspectors and things and I I'm sure Wendy's will have their own facilities but for some of the larger cloud kitchens that sort of like rent out units of space to different smaller you know restaurants and chefs and things just like wonder how all of that is managed in terms of like making sure good sanitary practices are being observed and things like that. Although I would assume it's the same as any other restaurant or fast food chain, but um, I think there are sort of like questions around that too. Okay, so um, my second story here today is about um, saltwater agriculture technology and will it be the future of sustainable farming? So this company in Saudi Arabia called Red Sea Farms is an ag tech startup that secured $16 million in the latest funding round, um, which includes investors from Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and the United States. So in 2018, the startup Um, began with a goal and vision um, to unleash the potentials of using salt water as a way to reduce carbon and water footprint on the food sector by developing environmentally sustainable and salt water based agriculture systems. This is mainly due to the landscape that is seen in the Gulf, where it mostly is sand and salt water, not much fresh water there is available. So their patent and system uses solar and growth monitoring technology and um, freshwater typically in these kind of circumstances is used to cool greenhouses and irrigate crops by using salt water um, sorry but using salt water actually cuts the freshwater consumption by 85 to 90 percent so that's a big number of saving fresh water used in this kind of technology nevertheless salt water acts in a similar way to freshwater but cuts the facility's carbon footprint. So it's kind of a win-win over here. Um, Some may say that they're worried about salt crystallization that happens because of salt water, but the technology here eliminates that and it prevents the clogging that some are worried may occur. The greenhouse also uses smart covering, which protects the crops from such high temperatures seen in the Gulf, and uh, uses solar paneled power fans that are built within the greenhouse as well. So as the climate changes significantly in various regions around the world, farmers are experiencing difficulty in 
maintaining and producing crops, and they hope that this innovation will help provide cons uh, provide farmers with different options around the world where fresh water is not easily found. Um, the company has trialed its technology in producing um, sea asparagus, strawberries, um, other kinds of vegetables, but their most successful produce is tomatoes. So this is why Red Sea Farms, um, if you were to look them up, you'd see mostly them selling tomatoes from Saudi Arabia and distributing them across the Middle East. Um, Red Sea Farms hopes to explore further growth opportunities and um, gather a lot more investment in the next coming years because they see that there's a great potential and this is a growing trend in this industry is to invest in sustainable projects that contribute and continue to contribute to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So my thoughts, my questions for you today is, what are your thoughts on this new way of farming um, in areas where fresh water isn't readily available? Do you think it's actually a better option maybe compared to freshwater farming? Uh, just some, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think they've addressed some of the concerns that would normally come up about, you know, salt crystallizing in some of the irrigation lines, and then all of a sudden you've got a clog and um, you know, sounds like their technology is, has some of that stuff under control. I think it's great in areas that wouldn't normally be able to, um, you know, have a lot of agriculture, like you say, because there's, there isn't a lot of fresh water available. I wonder, do they remove any of the salt from the salt water or is it just the straight up salt water being used to irrigate the crops? I'm not sure exactly, but it's saying that they're using salt water to their advantage. So I don't think um, maybe they are removing the salt completely, but they're trying to make sure that the salt doesn't um, affect the way that the crops are grown. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, because I would think that too much salt would be like a problem, I guess, in the, in the soil. Like I would think that, um, yeah, it would be too much for the plants or something like that, but maybe not. I haven't really heard of anyone doing this before. And like you say, it's sort of like a new area of, of interest. Um, so I think it's it's great if they're able to make it work. I wonder if any of their produce is more expensive as well because of the way it's produced or yeah. Honestly, I have no idea. There isn't much information about that yet because it is a startup and they're still get, getting, you know, funding and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But they do say that their produce is sustainable. It's organic. It's pesticide free. They use, you know, premium quality saltwater tomatoes that are um, made with high levels of vitamins and antioxidants. And they say they taste great and they are good for you. So, <laughs> so they're just absolutely perfect. Yeah, they're absolutely <laughs> perfect. They look they look really good as well like if you were to see the pictures they're just so refreshing um, <laughs> with that little bit of salt water but yeah yeah I think it's great if they're able to you know innovate and leverage this kind of new technology um you know giving given actually shortages of fresh water in some areas of the world um as we're seeing I think even in Arizona, I was like hearing about like droughts happening there. So it's great that like, you know, if there are alternatives, um, given climate change and who knows what can, what, what's, uh, going to happen, uh, you know, going forward. So, um, my only question is like, I hope like the produce tastes as good, hopefully, or not better than like what we're used to getting. 
Um, but Mira, you're saying that they're saying that it tastes great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's like <laughs> perfection. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually, on that point about Arizona, the company with the new funding are hoping to try and figure out mm. areas in the US oh, wow. where situations aren't as great yeah. for farming. Um, and I guess now with the US investors, that's much more easier to do. Um, but yeah, so I think they are looking to expand in areas like that, mm. which is great because that uh, hopefully that means in the long term, you know, f- tomatoes, for example, could be a lot cheaper because they're closer to home That's rather true. than having Locally, to be imported. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think that was a point with the Saudi Arabia part is like, I don't know how many places in the Middle East actually grow their own tomatoes because right. of how hot and Desert how horrible scapes. the conditions yeah. are. Yeah, but now they're, you know, exporting to other countries in the Gulf in the Middle East. So mm-hmm. I wonder if those prices will drop. That's a really good point. Yeah, and that's yeah. like where the mm-hmm. carbon footprint lowering kind of comes into yeah. play too, yeah. by producing the produce, you know, yeah. more locally and not having to ship yeah. it as far. I can see from yeah, a exactly. consumer's point of view that people could have like a bit of a hang up of this is grown using salt water. Are these going to be exceptionally salty <laughs> tomatoes? Yeah. Like you would wonder, like, would it translate in, in that way? And I'm sure it doesn't, but I could see that that would be sort of like a question on some people's minds. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, I think they've got all of the um, elements in there to say, you know, we're not using pesticides and all of these like buzzword type things that people are looking yeah. for when they're shopping for produce in particular. Organic. Yes, that people would be like... Uh, you know, interested enough to to try it, um, particularly if the price was lower and you thought you were shopping local and on all of those like good feeling kind of type of things. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find Xtalks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.